Lose the Cape Podcast, episode 136. Well, hey, hey, mamas. Welcome back to another episode of the Lose the Cape Podcast. We are in catch-up mode. Um, If you listened to the episode last week with Darren Horn, which is an amazing interview, we talked all about not only his profession, which is working with teens, but about him as a father being diagnosed with postpartum depression, which was, I hate to use the word fascinating because postpartum depression is such a serious topic and not one to be joked about or taken lightly. But I found it fascinating because I'd never considered it from the context of a father or a dad, nor have I ever heard of a dad being diagnosed with it. So our conversation around it was very interesting. If you missed episode 135, you should go back and catch it. I find it to be super important um, from a community as we look at the mental health of both moms and dads, uh, being that May is Mental Health Awareness Month, it's, it, it fits in perfectly with the conversation conversation at hand but you know postpartum depression or postnatal depression as his is called because he's British uh, is no joke and it's something that we should be taking very very seriously so I was really really pleased with his candor and ability to just tell us all the details and um, you know we joked around a bit and everything but it is super serious and I hope that you will listen to it and if you are a mother or a father uh, suffering from the baby blues, which is just is not enough of of a name to 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 deal with the depression and and anxiety are are no joke and add in a newborn child into the mix and the stress and the tension and it's just you really need to seek help if you're having problems and it is okay to admit whether you are a woman or a man that you're struggling. Please get the help. Your happiness, your child's happiness, your spouse's happiness depend on it. Okay, so this episode, yes, I am publishing in advance because as I mentioned last week, we got pretty behind schedule because April was a horrible month with my father passing away and conference season and books launching and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm trying to make up by going double duty a little bit here. I don't know if that's a good or a bad strategy. I guess it depends on how, uh, how much you guys love our podcast and how much you are just waiting for the next episode to come out. For those of you diehard fans, you'll be happy you're getting more than one episode a week. For those of you who could care less, I'm sorry. You just have to bear with us as we continue to pummel you with um, new episodes. (laughs) And if you are one of those people who just loves us, please, please, please go leave us a review on iTunes. It takes just a hot second to go over there and give us a five-star review. It would be very appreciated because it helps other people find us that wouldn't necessarily find us otherwise. Okay, what are we talking about today? Well, today is a catch-up of last month's uh, April's book club pick. We interviewed... um, Heather LaRosse, who wrote the book, Just Tell Me I'm Pretty, Musings on a Messy Life. And unfortunately, I forgot to hit record at the very beginning of the interview. Um, don't judge a book by its cover or its title. It This this book is a, a beautiful memoir about a woman in her mid-40s talking about changes she's going through as a woman, as a mother, the struggles that she's had raising a child with uh, ADHD, the struggles she, that she's had balancing her attention between her two boys, um, 
you know, challenges as a wife, all kinds of things. It gets into all kinds of stuff. There's also a lot of humor to it, some really funny stories. Um, and so we just talked to Heather about why she wrote the book, the meaning behind the book. Um, and we talked a lot about mental health topics because that is one of her areas as well, especially with, you know, the overwhelm of motherhood and um, just how important it is to do check-ins with ourselves as moms and keeping ourselves on you know, mentally healthy. Um, so as I mentioned, I did not record the very beginning of the interview. So I just want to quickly let you know what we talked about at the beginning. First of all, you can go over to losethecape.com forward slash podcast forward slash 136 and get uh, access to all the links so that you can easily click to everything that we're talking about, especially to order her book because you're super going to want it. Um, but at the very beginning, we were joking about uh, the, the name changes and how she chose the title and where it came from. And uh, her original title was Low Hanging Boobs and Other Womanly Woes, I believe uh, she said it was. But we were laughing about that and, and what happens when you have boobs in the title of your book and how that flags different things and the the response that she was getting from people when she told them that that was the title of her book. So after a lot of deliberation, she came up with the Just Tell Me I'm pretty um, based on her personal experience and how sometimes life is just like so crazy. You don't want to be in the weeds of all the details and all the mess and all the craziness. You just want to feel good about yourself and you just want the people in your life, especially she's surrounded by boys, to just appreciate who you are. And so she, you know, went into details on on the title. Some of that made it into it, but we missed the funny part where we were joking about the low-hanging boobs part. But Heather is hilarious. She's fun to talk to. She's fun to listen to. Um, I really enjoyed this interview and I know that you will too. Insides are gorgeously shining out because you feel good and you are pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that's been picked up, but you know, I, I think some, some women get it because I talk about it, you know, in the book saying how sometimes, you know, hearing the words you're, you're pretty doesn't just mean your, your outsides. It talks about your insides too. So right. that's where the title came from. It was always kind of rumbling around in my head. And I said it to a friend of mine and she just got tears in her eyes and she's like, that's it. That's it. And so I changed the title and, and went with that. And then the musings on a messy life is just because I have a messy life. You know, it's funny. I'd, I'd forgotten about that whole back and forth about the title, but now it's bringing back all kinds of fun memories. I mean, Low Hanging Boobs was another womanly woes I thought was a hilarious title, but I totally understand, like, you can easily get lost um, <laughs> in just the word boobs, you know, just yeah. says things to people. <laughs> well, it also brings up... Um inappropriate content if you searched on that title exactly so you gotta you gotta stick away from the inappropriate content thing i've yeah. posted the link for anybody who is on facebook live um and feel free if you are joining us to ask questions of heather um and and her book i have posted the link to the amazon page so that you can check it out but i i you know it, it's funny because you're a humor writer and you are a humor blogger um, if you want to tell people quickly about your blog, um, I can go on with my sentiments in a second. Uh, yeah, my blog is Tipsy Tiaras. Um, logo is a champagne glass with a tilted tiara. Uh, there's a story in my book around how that, uh, the whole tiara thing, I own a couple tiaras. Um, 
And I won't tell the whole story, but uh, I, I met a few of my new neighbors in my neighborhood wearing a tiara that I had forgot I decided to put on to make my son happy. And nobody said anything. Um, and, you know, I am the girly girl and my boys have always said I'm kind of the princess and um, I enjoy champagne, but I'm also that woman that um, nothing's ever quite right. Like I may have my tiara on, but it's going to be tilted sideways because, you know, I rushed it or rushed putting it on and, you know, I'm trying to do 5,000 things at, at one time. Um, so that's, that's where the title of the blog came from. And then honestly, it was a way, um, I originally had a, a children's book that I was trying to publish and everybody kept telling me I needed a following. So I started the blog and I found it was extremely therapeutic. Um, I'm not setting the world on fire with page views to my blog, which I tell people pretty much my mom and dad are my biggest fans. Um, but it was, it was really, really helpful to be able to just talk about things. I've got, I've, I've spanned, I think every genre you can imagine on my blog. I've interviewed women that I um, think have a really fascinating story. I have a woman on there that dealt with domestic abuse. I have a woman that was uh, molested as a child. I have a woman who grew up Mormon and, uh, came out to her family as a lesbian after being married for a long time with four children. Um, you know, so I have stuff like that. I have what it was like realizing that my grandfather was a child molester and kind of reconciling that with the grandfather that I knew. I have humor stories about what it's like to raise gross, stinky boys. I have uh, three in my house, 10, 13, and 15. Um, and I have some stuff that I wrote when I was 18 and in college oh that uh, is just hilarious to look back and see how I saw the world back then. You know, life is, it's messy. And it's, I think it's important that we, that we share the messy stories too. I mean, I don't know what's happened to us as a culture that we have like decided, I, I, I blame it on Pinterest really and fake booking that we've decided that everybody has to look and behave a certain way. And when they don't, there's something wrong with them. And I, you know, I, well, this goes long before, well, I think it's just kind of in our society that we expect that families will behave and do things in a certain way and all that jazz. But anyway, so I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're sharing the messy stories because it makes those people who for example, when I was 18, I found out that I had a half-sister that I'd never known about. And here I'd been raised in this very Christian, conservative family all my life, known that, you know, you don't have sex until you get married and all these kinds of things and come to find out. My dad had fathered a child before he and my mom got married. And it was like, what? Where? Wow. What? And then I felt all alone because I lived in a community where nobody's parents were divorced. Nobody had any skeletons in their closet that we knew about. If they did, they were hiding them. So, you know, it's good to share the stories like that so that people, when they discover that their life isn't what they thought it was, realize they're not alone in that journey because it can yeah. be really alienating. I didn't have anybody to talk to. Nobody in my group of friends had ever had a surprise sibling. <laughs> show yeah. up it was like um I don't quite know what to do with this I don't I don't know how to behave so it's good it's good to show it 
And, um, and I mean, that's the subtitle of your book is Musings on a Messy Life. We all have messy lives, whether we're willing to admit it or not. You probably couldn't see this. And if you're listening to the podcast, not watching, you definitely can see this. But her book title is hilarious. It's, a, it's um, a, a, an art uh, done by Adrienne Hedger, who has done the covers for all the Lose the Cape books. And she has very successful um, comic type um, art that she does for parenting type publications. So it's mom on one side sitting on the floor looking shell shocked and just a hot mess, jamming chocolate into her mouth. And then <laughs> kids on the other side of the door, one, one boy stomping on the other kid's head and toys all over the place and spilled milk and a dog peeing on a fire truck. I mean, it's just, it's, it's chaos, but it's fun. And it's life of mom with boys for sure. Yep. <laughs> Um, all right. So, so, you know, you started with your blog, you started writing all kinds of things from your blog on your blog and your book encompasses a lot of the type of writing that you did on your blog, right? Yep. Yeah. So, there's, um, some, some things in my book are from, from my blog. They were, they were posted there and then there's all new content that I haven't posted, um, anywhere else. Again, I didn't feel like that was really cheating so much because, right. you know, my mom and dad had read it, but that was about it. <laughs> So. Uh, and you know what? I I had this discussion with another author, a, a, a big big time author, not too long ago for a conference that we did, and they used a, they he started one of his books or several of his books actually on his blog. And I asked him, I said, well, when you wrote your book, so he actually started writing his book on his blog, so it wasn't even a pulling from and adjusting. It was oh, wow. started writing, and I asked him if he left it out there afterwards, and he was like, yeah, he was like, I really saw no reason not to because even if somebody finds your blog the likelihood that someone has read every single post and read it in the right order and read the edited version are so slim that he was like, yeah, whatever. It's a great, it's a great way to get started. So no worries there. Um, well, what I like about this is that you, you pick it up assuming that it's going to be because it's categorized as humor. You're a humor writer. There's a lot of funny stories in here, especially for, um, you know, those of us that are in this 40 something, we don't need to divulge here, but age range where our bodies are starting to do things that we can't really explain <laughs> and don't really want to have happen. And, you know, it's, you talk about the funny things that come along with being 40 and how our bodies change, how our, how our everything changes. You talk about the, the funny stories of raising little boys, but you also, I mean, it, the book gets really real. Heather has a son with a pretty severe ADHD and I love the letters that you've written to your son and the, just the realness that you share. I have a son with ADHD and I know how hard it is to figure out what's going on in their little minds and to try and help them and to try and help the rest of the world help them. Um, yeah. Do you want to share anything along those topics? Um, well, I will say that, uh, you know, my son, most of those were written about when he was younger. So I did find life with, um, parenting with ADHD harder when he was younger. He's 15 now. Um, and there's a lot of things that have gotten better and, and it's, <laughs> so this is a funny story. Um, I was having a rough day yesterday and we were trying to get out of the door for school. He's in an alternative school. So he has really weird school hours. So he doesn't go to school till, you know, 1130 on Sundays, noon on Sunday. So I had a doctor's appointment. We had to get to school and, you know, um, I told him, the night before, I'm like, you need to pick up some, some of this stuff in your room. He had all these uh, 
water cans. He drinks the sparkling water. I had them all over his room. I'm like, you need to pick these up. And then I'm always after him to pick up after he makes himself breakfast. Mm -hmm. And on one hand, it's awesome. He's making himself breakfast. I don't have to worry about it. Um, But then he doesn't pick up. And so I come home, he's in the shower. I knock on the door. I'm like, hey, we need to leave and you need to pick up your stuff and you need to get your cans out of your room. And he comes down and, you know, it was just chaos. Nothing was done. I was feeling angsty. I yelled at him, which, you know, I hate losing control like that, but I yelled and I'm like, I need to be able to know that you can, you know, do these things. And he looked at me and he's like, I took a shower this morning and you didn't have to tell me. And I just stopped and in my head I was laughing, but I was like, this is where we are. Like, this is my 15 year old son. It's, it's a big thing that he took a shower without me having to go up and say, Hey, you need to shower today. And that's kind of what it's like. It's like, you know, you, you're reminded that you took one step forward, but then you're like, great, you took a shower, but your breakfast stuff is all over. The cans are all over. The TV's on downstairs. You don't have socks on. You haven't brushed your teeth. So it's, it's that push and pull of you want to celebrate progress, and, but there's still so much more work to be done. Whereas my 10-year-old, I don't have to tell him to do anything. You know? Yeah, well, some of that you wonder if that's ADHD or if that's first versus second child because, <laughs> my, oh, I mean, my se- well, it's, hard, it's so hard to tell. There's absolutely no common ground between my first and second children. One has ADHD, one doesn't, one's male, one's female. One is super duper responsible, the other one is not, you know, so, but I see this um, between my, my older sisters, actually, how much more responsible the second child is, not to take away from your, from your story here, um, because it is, it it is. I I understand that completely. How how much how much you have to like, and why experts say how important it is for kids with ADHD to have like very strict schedules and routines. And you know, it's it's hard when you get out of them that it, it does feel like every day you're waking up to teach them all over again what has to happen. Because it's not just them that has to have the rigid schedules. It's me, you know, and there are days I don't have it in me to have that rigid schedule. And I've got my stuff and I've got this other kid at work and I've got my husband and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's maybe it is the first and second. Aiden's always been this way. You know, I mean, he, he was the typical kid where you would say, okay. And and I would do the, the thing when he was little where it's just tell him one thing to do one thing at a time. Don't overwhelm him. You know, I would say, I need you to go upstairs and get socks on. He'd say, okay. And I'd say, what did I ask you to do? I'm going to go upstairs and get socks on. He'd say, okay. And he'd come back down. He wouldn't have his socks, but he'd be like, hey, look, I found my Iron Man toy. I'm like, but where are your socks? You know? And so it's, it's those, I mean, it's funny, but in the moment when you're trying to get to work because, you know, you have a meeting, it's just, it, it's just a little extra hard. Not that parenting yes. is ever not hard, but it's just a little extra. Yes. No, I get it. Um, I wrote an article for a parenting blog one time about what a normal morning was like in our household. I think my son was in first or second grade at the time. And it was that same kind of thing. Like I'd send him off to go put his socks and shoes on. And not only were his socks and shoes not on 15 minutes later, you know, he was talking in robot speak and, and, and farting, like making farting noises and running around and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, could you please just put a sock on? Just one sock. Or there's the times they go upstairs to put a sock on, you know, their dress, they go upstairs to get their socks on and they come down and socks are on, but they somehow have lost their pants. (laughs) 
you know? <laughs> yes, like, yes, yes. Okay. You know, that one step forward, two steps back. Thing, so. <laughs> oh my gosh, but it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> Well, I love, I love though that you not only in the book you address, you know, you tell some funny stories, but you also tell some really serious stories about what it was like for you dealing with the teachers and going back and forth on the teachers. And I've been, um, I've been experiencing that pretty hardcore lately where, I mean, there was a week last, uh, last week where the teacher was either texting me or calling me every single day. And I was just like, one day I just kind of lost it on the phone with her because she's asking me what she wants me, what I want her to do. And, and I'm like, I don't know. Nobody told me that nobody taught me this part of parenting. I don't know. I was like, yeah. I don't know. Help me, help me, help my child. Help me help you help my child. I don't yeah. Know. It's, it's, I don't think any parent has it easy, you know, uh -huh. um, and you know, you throw in a kid with a little extra needs sometimes and it's just, it's, it gets completely and 100% overwhelming. And I'll be, there's times when I don't enjoy it, you know, yeah. it's not that I don't love my kids, but it's like this parenting thing is really, really hard. And, and there, because you mentioned this in the beginning when we were talking about this perfectionism that we see on social media and stuff and the mom shaming you know, and it's, you know, it, I, I remember this was years ago and the, this article makes its rounds about every year. Um, it was written by someone anonymously and I don't remember what side it was on, but she talked about not liking parenting mm -hmm. and, you know, she was very open. She's like, this does not mean I don't like my kid. Right. I don't like parenting. And I think that's where we get, you know, it's like, if you say those words, you are villainized. I yeah. mean, you will have people and it's, it, it, people can't seem to extrapolate that, you know, and I talked to my son about this, you know, cause he'll see me really stressed. And I say, look, I, I like you. I like when we can sit around and laugh and watch movies and do the fun stuff. I don't like having to parent you, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't like getting mad. I don't like having to repeat myself, you know, and, and, but then you say that and I'm sure I'll probably get people, you know, someone from this saying, well, then you shouldn't have had kids, but my right. goodness. I don't know these Can you explain things. Explain what, what parenting is like to someone that's never had kids. I mean, you, you don't know you're young and, and you know, I'm not, when I had my kids, I wasn't thinking about what life was going to be like when he was 15. I didn't know that they were going to, the universe was going to throw ADHD in the mix and a divorce, right. you know, health issues and stuff like that. You just don't know. And so I, I think one of the things I try to do in my I shouldn't say I think one of the things I try to do in my blog and any of the writing I do is I never do the mom shaming. You know, you can breast or bottle feed, <laughs> you know, it's completely up to you because I do believe that as parents, we're all trying to do the best. Yeah. Most, most of us are trying to do the best for our kids. Yeah. Um, but just being honest and, and real and, and saying that there's, there's no judgment on, on my side. And I'm going to tell you how hard it is for me at times. And hopefully there's somebody out there that says, Oh, thank, thank goodness I'm not alone. I just had a woman this last week sat crying, telling me she was reading my book and just sobbing, thinking it's so nice to, to know that these thoughts that I have and the, the, the hardships that I struggle through, I'm not alone in. Because we do feel, we don't have a village anymore. You know, right. we don't, we're not in that kind of society. Sometimes all we have is our social connections, our online connections, our virtual right. family well, speaking of village and all of these things, actually, yesterday we I was at the grocery store and um and there was a kid 
So there was a, 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 well, I'm not sure whether she was the mother or the grandmother. We've reached that, that time in our society where it's hard to tell <laughs> because yep. so many people are waiting so much later. So I didn't dare say grandma, I, I'm going to guess grandma, but um, who knows? Um, so, so the kid is like, you know how you have the checkout counter and then along the backside of the checkout counter, they have chips and candies and stuff like that. Well, the kid was pressed up against the counter. He was probably about eight or nine years old. And either he was trying to hump the counter or he was trying to open up a bag of candy or something. I'm going with option B, but it looked awfully suspicious. Like he had his hands, like he was crammed up against the counter and he had his hands right in front of himself. And as I'm watching him going, he's not doing, he's doing something he's not supposed to be doing. And then I figure out, I think he's trying to get a package of candy open to steal some candy. So I look at him and I sat, I sat there for a second and I was like, this is one of those moments. I don't know what to do. Do I open my mouth and say something when his mom is standing right there? Or do I let this moment pass because it's not my child? And you know what? I, I decided to say something. Normally I wouldn't. Um, and if it's like a, where, you know, but since the, the mom was busy unloading or grandma was busy unloading the cart and she couldn't see what he was doing, I just turned to him and I said, are you supposed to be doing that? No, you know, not, I didn't say, but like, Hey, stop, you know, Hey, whatever. I was like, what you, I, at first I said, what you doing? Are you supposed to be doing that? And about that time, grandma turned around and she was like, get over here. What are you doing? She starts yelling at him. She could probably tell that something was going on. And I said, and I, I said to her, you know, she was chastising him. And I said to her, I said, I'm sorry for jumping in, but I'm of the mindset that, you know, it takes a village. Cause I think sometimes it does. And we don't see everything. And if my kids are trying to steal candy in a store and a parent notices, I hope somebody calls them out on it. But she was very agreeing with me. She was like, you're darn right. It takes a village to raise these kids. And so I was glad that it wasn't one of those ladies. That I was, you know, I was nervous that she was going to turn around and start screaming at me to mind my business and leave her kid alone, you know, but so, and then she was like, I'd much rather a stranger say something to him in the grocery store now than see him on the news in 10 years and be like, we should have exactly. stopped then. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it's kind of sad that we've gotten to the point where, I mean, you even said the words, you know, I didn't know if I should say something, not my kid. It's like, not my kid, not my house, not my car, not my, you know, significant other. And, and that's, that's not how we, I, I don't think that's how we grow and, right. you know, or more of a sense of community. I mean, we need, we have neighborhood watches, right. you know, we have to right. watch out for each other, you exactly. know, but it's, it's hard though, because I do, I mean, and there have been, uh, well, I'm not going to share this story because it's very embarrassing to me and it was a very bad decision, but I'll just say that a woman called me out once and I'm very thankful she did because I was at a time it was, uh, it was not long after our daughter had passed away and I was still kind of in a fog and I did something really stupid that endangered my children and she totally called me out on it and I'm glad she did because at the time like I was in a place where I wasn't really thinking straight and I'm very embarrassed about what I did I had three kids five and under that's all I'm going to say and I was you know struggling struggling hard I don't that's another thing that I don't think we we give enough attention to moms is that if you have one or two children or more um, and any of them are difficult in any shape or form, not sleeping, not following directions, crazy running around, anything that like is like it's, it's, and motherhood just doesn't come naturally to everybody. It's hard. So instead well, of 
you know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say sometimes people need that. I was embarrassed and I was mortified. And at first I was very angry at her. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, thank the Lord she said something. You know, and good for her for, for, for butting in. Thankfully, she butted in because, it, you know, I stopped so here's what, what I was would, doing. <laughs> I would challenge people. Um, there's, yes, it's a, a wonderful thing for, to feel like you have, you know, other eyes looking out for you. Um, and I would just say that I think you can say just about anything if you say it with kindness. So Absolutely. there's a difference between being a mother who, whatever you were doing, you know, their child's in danger and going up and being like, are you stupid? Do you right. see what you're doing? Right, right. You know, between like, hey, I'm noticing this is happening. Is there some way I can help you? Or, exactly. you know, how you handled it yesterday, kind of a playful tone with, you know, with the kid and then explaining yourself to the mom instead of being like, excuse me, but could you possibly pay attention to your kid? Because it looks like he's either humping the candy or trying to steal something. <laughs> either way, you it's not good. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's where I think we've, we've lost it. Our judgment comes out and we, we shame one another instead of helping one another. And, you know, it, it drives me insane. I mean, that's, I've actually pulled away a little bit from social media lately just because it's so, you know, with everything going on in the world and, you know, the, this differences of opinions and stuff like that. And it, it's just, it's, it's sad. And I, I do believe that you can get your point across. First off, you're not going to change anyone's mind on social media. I don't think that's ever happened. Nope. Um, um, but just say it with kindness. And yeah. I, I think that we'd get a lot further in getting our point across if, if we thought about what we were saying and took the judgment and the shaming out. I, I agree 100%. Um, and so these are the types of things that she writes about in her book too, these things that have happened and how she, how Heather handled them. Um, I love the little letter that you wrote to your younger son um, because, and the, the, any mom who has a special needs, it makes me tear up even thinking about this. Any mom who has a special needs child knows how easy it is to get so wrapped up in the needs of that special needs child, whether we want to or not. When they're taking all of our attention, we just don't have anything left some days. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, I love the little letter that you wrote to him just saying, I miss you too. You know, I love you. I'm there for you, even though it feels like I'm always just taking care of your brother. (laughs) Yeah. Super sweet. One day we'll read it. He did. Oh, he, he, did. He, read, he read that. He said, did you write about me? And I said, yes. And I showed him the chapter and he had a complete meltdown. Just oh. sobbing. Oh. I mean, crocodile tears. He, he was in his, I think he was in his bedroom and he didn't have a shirt on. He'd been, you know, playing and I was completely at a loss. I didn't know what to, I was like, but it's a nice letter. I'm telling you, I love you. And, you know, talking about how great you are and, and, you know, um, it, he was just in, you know, he was nine at the time. So I couldn't say, why are you crying? He didn't know. He right. just knew that he was right. overwhelmed with emotion. So, you know, he's, he has read it. Um, and I think the sad thing about it is he asked me the other night we were going to bed and it was his birthday. And I said, go get your teeth brushed and I will tell you your birth story. And it just, you know, it was like, we'll talk about, you know, cause I've done that with my older son and he said, okay. And so he left and I was thinking back and I thought, I don't remember. <gasps> I, I don't, 
I mean, obviously I remember his birth, but I was trying to remember, you know, with my first son, I remember the first contraction, you know, what I did until we went to the hospital and with him, it was, you know, and I had to, I had to think, and then obviously it came back and I talked about it. And, you know, then he started asking me some questions about when he was little and I had, I have not written about this. I had postpartum depression with him. I didn't recognize it at the time. Looking back now, um, you know, it's, I had that, my thyroid went out of whack. I, you know, um, was on thyroid medication and, you know, dealing with Aiden and, and long, my husband at the time was working long hours. And so it was just me and Gavin, my youngest cried so, so much. And I thought there's so much that I don't remember about his little years, you know? And so I beat myself up about that and you know I do write about Aiden my oldest one all the time and it's because I don't have those memories of Gavin and the guilt is just over overwhelming at times um so I all I can do now is try to make those memories now you know now that Aiden's a little older he's more into his friends and I have that time each day to devote to Gavin so I'm trying really hard to do that but that that's probably something I'll beat myself up for forever I don't have as many pictures You know, I don't, I don't have those funny stories and, um, it's, it's sad. Well, I am so grateful that my daughter, um, when she was, I think three, the middle child one. So since my twins were born so early and, um, and one of them passed away and one of them was in the NICU for 12 weeks, we do a lot of fundraising and efforts for the March of Dimes. And that's important to this story because we were at a, 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 an event for fundraisers for the March of Dimes and they were giving away an iPad and we were the ambassador family. And they said, Ella, why not you? She was three, maybe, yeah, three at the time, right? Yes, three. They said, Ella, you get to pick the person, the number of the person who won the iPad. And so she just randomly said, oh, she must've been four. Sorry. She said four because that's how old she was. And her number was four. She had no idea about that. So she wins this iPad. The reason that's important to this story is because she was only about 16 months old, 17 months old, somewhere in there when I found out I was pregnant with the twins. And I wound up so sick and on bed rest multiple times. The last time for like, um, almost five weeks. I was in the hospital for almost five weeks. And, you know, my baby was my baby. She was only still, she wasn't even two yet was still at home. And I felt like I was missing everything. I feel like I missed that entire window of time from about 15 months until she turned two. So she gets this iPad and then everything after Karis came home from the NICU was just crazy with doctor appointments and uh, therapy of all kinds and craziness. So she wins this iPad. She's a little star. She starts recording herself. She's taken all these little videos of her singing and dancing and talking and doing her own little Ella show. And it was just phenomenal. And now I go back and I'm like, I don't, I like that, that memory, those memories are so, they're just not there for me. It was such a stressful and crazy time in our lives. I remember the highlights, but I'm so glad that she had that little video. So what I would say, if there's a message from this, or if there's something to say from this is if you are a really overwhelmed mom with a lot of kids and a lot of things happening, give them something to record themselves on and let them go nuts (laughs) because you will treasure those random pictures and videos that you find of them just, you know, singing their little story and doing whatever. Oh my gosh, they're so fun to watch now. I'm going to start a YouTube channel with her videos from... Oh. <laughs> she's so hilarious. 
but they yeah. are funny. My my oldest and uh, when they, he must have been seven, um, so Gavin was about two, and they would for the next couple of years on and off record videos and I still have them and I didn't know they were recording them. So when I, you know, first watched them and they were all new and I was like, Oh, Oh my heart. It's, you know, so cute. But yeah, there's uh, and, and it's even if, you know, if, even for the women, I'll say that only have one kid, you know, if, if, you know, there's a lot of women that suffer from the postpartum depression and I know it's being talked about more and I think that's, you know, amazing, but it was being talked about even when I had, Gavin and I, I knew about it, but I still didn't recognize it in, in myself. And it's because I, I felt completely alone. You know, I didn't have, you know, a lot of family support or friends, um, you know, and, and it's not that they didn't want to, it's just, you know, life gets busy and, and stuff like that. And having a kid that, you know, was crying all the time and then trying to make sure that Aiden didn't feel left out and, you know, doing that whole incorporating thing. And yeah. Um, but even if you only have one and you're, you're dealing with that, you know, you can miss those, those moments and those memories and just, I, I don't know, have a little compassion for yourself, you know, because we will beat ourselves up till we're bloody. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and we are about to roll into May, which actually this will post on our podcast the first week of May. And um, it's Mental Health Awareness uh, Month. So I think that it's, you know, not a bad thing. I know you are a mental health um, advocate as am I. You know, if it, it, you should never feel bad about telling somebody that you feel sad or that you need help. Never, ever, 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 ever feel bad about especially it. mothers there's you know and and it, you know if you do tell somebody and they're not understanding if they're like you know the, how could you feel that way you have this beautiful baby what kind of person are you that's that's the fear right that right. that people are going to judge you because this is an amazing time and you have this perfect human and there's women out there that can't have babies or there's women like you who have lost children and so you have nothing to feel stressed or sad about. And so we, we don't talk about it. Right. And you know, it, my, my message would be, if you tell someone and you get that, tell someone else. Yeah. If you get that, don't tell be someone else. that person anymore. <laughs> yeah. But keep telling people until you find, you know, and even doctors aren't always. Yeah. You're right. Doctors are sometimes the worst, actually. Doctors are sometimes the worst, but almost all health insurance policies carry some kind of coverage for mental health, um, even if it's only three or four visits that are paid for with some kind of family counselor, go. It would be the best thing that you ever did. Find somebody to watch your baby for a couple hours. Go find somebody to talk to. Don't be afraid of medication. I get so angry at the people who are like, you know, you don't need medication. You don't need it. Well, sometimes you do. Sometimes mm -hmm. you do. And if you're that person, then until you can get everything else in your life settled down, medicine can help you. I was on antidepressants for years and um, they, they helped me when I was done needing that help. I weaned myself off, but sometimes you need help and don't be afraid of that. That's my message yeah. because I just get really upset when I see people struggling and you don't want to be that lady in Texas who didn't talk to anybody and then drowned all five of her kids in the bathtub because she just lost it and couldn't take it anymore. And that happens. Yep. I remember saying to my ex, I feel like I've ruined my life and I'll never be happy again. Oh no. And I, I mean, I remembered that I'll try not to cry. I remember that day. I remember being in the bathroom and I had my youngest in his swing and he was crying and I knew that I had to go pick up 
Aiden and I, that I was going to be alone for the next five hours with both of them and trying to do dinner and making Aiden feel like he was getting the attention and trying to figure out why Gavin was crying and I wasn't sleeping. And I, you know, I didn't realize it at that. It was a good couple months before I realized I had a thyroid issue. Um, and until my hair started falling out and then I was like, Hey, <laughs> this doesn't seem right. Not right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so, I mean, I wish I could, I, I wish we had better services here after, after birth that the women had the ability to just take the time that they needed to heal their bodies. I mean, my God, your body is healing from a huge, huge traumatic, stressful event. And you know, everything is different. So, right. right. And it doesn't come with a book. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, that's exactly what I was telling my son's teacher the other day. I was like, nobody told me about this part of being a mom. I expected cute little babies that would nuzzle onto my chest and sleep and eat and be perfect and grow into cute little people that would say funny things and go to bed when I told them to and eat their vegetables and make A's in school. And that is not what life turned out to be. <laughs> but I love them anyway. And I'm learning every day how to be a parent. And it cracks me up. I have two sisters that have no children and um, the two oldest of the four of us. And boy, do they have some good advice about being a good mother. The other day it was, all your children write their numbers weird. You need to spend more time practice writing numbers with your kids. And I'm like, <sighs> and, and what time should I do that in between? the? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're already just pulled in so many directions. I'm or right. there's the, hey, auntie, you are more than welcome to come over anytime and work with them on their numbers. Exactly. I would love that. What a great bonding experience. Over. And you can see what it's like to have a screaming match for 40 minutes about sitting down and writing five numbers. Because oh, that's yeah. what I go through with every day. <laughs> yep, I've, I've done that. I made my son run laps. You know, we do one homework problem. One homework problem, and then he'd have to run three laps around our old house. We had kind of an open floor plan. Then he'd come back, we'd do one more. I mean, homework took sometimes an hour and a half, two hours at, yes. at night. And this yes. was in kindergarten and first yes. grade. Oh, girl, um, I feel your pain. That's what life was like with my son, too. Oh, it was hard. It was hard. Thank God the second one came along and loves doing homework. God threw me a bone on this one. Like the child, when she was in kindergarten and first grade, would sit around doing math problems for fun. Like this is what she did. <laughs> yeah. My second doesn't enjoy homework, but doesn't fight me. He'll do it. You right. know, he's yeah. like, oh, I hate this. But he, he does it. And he's, you know, good in school. And so, yeah, it's uh, thank you for for the reprieve there universe. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, I have really enjoyed talking with you as always. Heather is a dear friend of mine. And um, yeah, I really, the, the thing I would say, so it's no surprise that I published this book for her. And, and as I was doing the interior layout, I, you know, you have your expectations of what a book is going to be. I had, I had obviously read it through before we published it, but it would have been kind of like a quick skim. Yeah, this looks good. Her writing is good. Yay. Funny stuff. Funny, funny. And it was only when I really started getting into it and realized there's so much more than just funny to it. Like it's a real book. It's a real, like, I think anyone who has children, and we didn't even talk about your mom, which was also very touching for me because um, when I first read the book, um, my dad was, I was a caretaker for him, but he wasn't to the point yet of 
where he got to before passing away, obviously. But, you know, Heather's also a sandwich generation taking care with an, with an ill parent. And, um, but some of the stories with your mom, since she lives in a place and is, and is, uh, given medical marijuana, some of these stories are hilarious. (laughs) Um, but it's, it's hard. It's another element that we did not anticipate as becoming parents that we would have small children with all of their needs and adults, our parents with needs too. And, And that's a whole different challenge and difficulty. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, it's a given that your parents are going to get older, but you just kind of think that they're going to be the parents that kind of truck into old age. I mean, I thought my mom would be that little old lady wearing her high heels, you mm-hmm. know, with her makeup done, her hair perfect, um, you know, and then COPD came and knocked her on her butt and rheumatoid arthritis and, you know, make sure she's in pain a lot. And, and it's like, well, wait, <laughs> this wasn't what I planned. I thought this part I at least could kind of, you know, guess about how it would end and so I don't I'm not at the place where I have to you know care for her um it's more just the witnessing and that that's really hard too you know just watching someone you love be in pain and struggle and you know the the loss for her of what she thought her older golden years I guess were we're gonna be like and that's all gone and so um yeah that's an emotional toll um, and then once you get to the point where they physically need you, then it's a, a physical one. And then you're like, well, where am I? Where do I fit in? And right. all of this. And self-care. We, gosh, we could, we could come back for another entire episode on self-care because it, you, you really do as a caregiver, uh, stuck in the middle. And that's why it's called Sandwich Generation. You really, really, really do have to pay attention particularly to self-care. And that's one thing that I'm really glad people are talking about more and that people aren't like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you're talking about going to get your nails done because it's too hard for you to take care of your kids and your dad. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way I felt, you know, at the beginning, but it makes a big difference. That mental yep. and emotional break makes such a big difference. Yep. I and do that with reading and but yeah, yeah, you know, a bath. Right, exactly. A walk. Self-care does not mean selfish. Exactly. And I've talked about this before, and we're, we're coming up on the end of the hour here. But, um, you know, even just small things like how I have made the um, – and uh, lots of moms have lots of examples of this. But if you don't have time or the budget to make self-care a part of your life, then I do things like um, I will store up like a couple of loads of laundry – like as they're coming out, which is pretty normal if you have little kids too, that you don't get to folding the loads of laundry right at one time. But when I have several of them ready to go and the kids are otherwise occupied, I will go into my bedroom and turn on a show that is binge worthy and grab a glass of wine. And I will make my own self-care moment while I'm doing something brainless, like folding laundry, but has to happen, watching my show, drinking my wine. (laughs) And it's fantastic. I I do people. I joke that I was spending time in my closet before it was popular. I've been known (laughs) to go into my closet. I mean, my clothes smell good. You know, it smells nice. It's Uh my kids can't find me immediately. And um, yeah, I've gone in there and I've had phone calls and just sat and laid on the floor sometimes and I've cried. And Yeah. yeah, I actually think about turning, you know, one of the it's not a ginormous closet, but the corner, you know, if I could figure out how to get like a little chair and a lamp in there, I think it would be just a perfect little haven. Yes, absolutely. So will there be more books coming from you? 
There, there will. I've been, I was telling you before we started, I've been in a little writing slump, but it's funny just talking to you. So this is, this is why the village and having connection with other people um, is important. I've thought about all these things because I was like, there's so much in my life right now that doesn't feel right to write about, but um, I've never written about what life was like after having my second son. Right. Um, you know, so there, yeah, maybe my muse has joined me again. Yes, that'd be fantastic. Um, Heather is also a contributor to the third Lose the Cape book, our second anthology, which is publishing in June. So look out for her article there. What'd you write about for that one? <laughs> I would say that I know, and I'm just letting you talk about it, but I honestly can't remember. <laughs> you know what's sad is when you first said that, I was like, oh my gosh, what did I submit? Um, <laughs> Awesome. She's writing a story about having a teenage son in there. So I think it involved Vaseline. 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 Oh, Vaseline. Vaseline. I was like, what is Vaseline? <laughs> is this, this an out west thing? You're in the west, right? In the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, Washington. Yeah, no, uh, just how I wasn't prepared for the amount of Vaseline that would come with raising teenagers. Oh boy. Yes. I'm There's going to have to go reread this one very soon because I'm feeling it's quite interesting. <laughs> uh, no, but we're putting together a book. The third book is all about um, teens, raising teens and tweens. So as, um, as we are aging and, and going into the teen and tween phase, we wanted to um, make sure there was something for all of our other friends and friends of the podcast and the, and the blog who are also in that phase of life. So it's some funny stories, some touching stories, some um, advice from people who are professional work with teens professionally and all that kind of stuff. I'm excited about it. We, um, we've been in editing mode lately, so it's, uh, I'm excited about the book. You'll be hearing yeah, about that. Ain't nothing but a teen thing. Lose the cape. Ain't nothing but a teen thing. So the sad thing is that that's, you know, now what was once hip when we first came up with the title. By the time we get it out there now, it sounds like old people came up with the title. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know what? That makes it awesome. Because <laughs> of that's course right. we did. Of course we did. So anyway, thank you so much, Heather. This has been thank a lot you. of fun. Um, make sure everybody knows where to find you. Oh, right now? Um, yes. Sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry so my down. blog is com, and then you can find me on Facebook under the same um, Tipsy Tiaras. And um, yeah, I don't have my other website done, so I won't even I won't even promote that. That's a work in progress. But yes, those are the easiest places. Awesome. And you can find her book, Just Tell Me I'm Pretty, Musings on a Messy Life, on her website, on Amazon, etc. And, you know, before I um, log off here, I need to tell you what our pick for the next month's book club is. So let's see if I can find that quickly. Oh, no, I didn't have this available. Tell us something funny. Tell us your favorite. While I'm doing this, tell us about your favorite chapter in the book. Um. Probably the one that gets me the most is is the one about medicating um, my son for ADHD and the struggle that that, that was. Uh, talk about judgment and shame around, you know, sticking uh, <laughs> uppers down your kid. Um, so that was that was a very heartfelt, um, raw piece to write. There were a lot of tears as I was writing and reliving, and there were a lot of tears when I was actually living it. So that probably is the one that sticks out. And it's also the one that I think I've gotten the most feedback yeah. on um, that because a lot of parents are faced with the same decision. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, I've written about that too. And it's, um, it's amazing how much judgment there is around medicating your child for something that is a legitimate medical issue. And I mean, you wouldn't not medicate them for diabetes or, you know, anything like that. So yeah. Okay. Thank you. So I found the link and we are doing big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert for May, which I'm super excited about. I threw the link in the show notes and on the um, Facebook page. So hopefully y'all would join us. What we're hoping to do is make this kind of an interactive thing. Uh, the fourth week of the month where if people are interested, they can come and join us and, um, and participate in the discussion. But thank you, Heather. When we probably will not be getting Elizabeth Gilbert to join us on the podcast. So <laughs> we love you it. You never know. Let's put it out there. Maybe. You never know. That's true. Thanks so much. And everybody go grab a copy of her book. You will, if you're a mom, you will enjoy it tremendously. And uh, make sure you leave a glowing review when you do so. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me.